Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Elon Musk podcast, where we cover Tesla, SpaceX, Twitter, Neuralink, Boring Company, and everything else Elon Musk. So please take a second, hit the subscribe button so you can get daily updates about everything Elon Musk on your podcast player of choice. Ford Motor Company and Contemporary Amperex Technology Company Limited, the CATL, are set to build a multi-billion dollar battery plant in Michigan, according to sources familiar with the matter. The plant, located about 100 miles west of Detroit, is expected to create approximately 2,500 jobs, and the project has been mired in geopolitical tensions between the U.S. and China. And despite the uncertainty around the interpretation of requirements in President Joe Biden's signature climate package, the Inflation Reduction Act, Ford is moving ahead with the project. The Inflation Reduction Act is designed to withhold consumer tax credits for electric vehicles or EVs made with a certain amount of China-linked materials in their batteries. And the law has raised questions about how the U.S. Treasury Department will interpret these requirements, leading to speculation about the viability of the plant. Now, Ford's decision to proceed with the project signals the company's commitment to investing in the production of EVs and localizing their battery production in North America. Ford and CATL have been considering a novel ownership structure that would see Ford own 100% of the plant, including the building and infrastructure, while CATL would provide the technology to create the battery cells. This arrangement would allow the facility to qualify for lucrative production tax credits under the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, while requiring no direct financial investment from CATL. Ford workers would build the batteries in America. The site for the new factory is near the small town of Marshall in southwestern Michigan and is room to grow, potentially bringing more jobs and a larger investment in the future. The company's also considered Virginia as a possible home for the plant, but Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, a potential Republican contender for the White House in 2024, withdrew his state from the competition, calling CATL a Trojan horse for China that would undermine policy efforts to strengthen the U.S. auto industry. Now, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer has taken a different position, calling Youngkin's move a political determination. And Whitmer has been fighting to attract more EV investment to her state, especially after losing out to Tennessee and Kentucky on Ford's historic $11.4 billion Blue Oval City investment in 2021. In July of 2021, Ford announced it would begin using less expensive lithium-ion 
In July of 2021, Ford announced it would begin using less expensive lithium iron phosphate battery packs from CATL on its Mustang Mach-E models this year and F-150 Lightning pickups in early 2024, which will boost output of those popular vehicles. And Ford had said it is a plan to source 40 gigawatt hours of those batteries annually in North America in 2026, but would initially import them from China. The investment in the new battery plant is part of Ford's $50 billion investment in the development and production of EVs. The automaker plans to produce 2 million EVs a year by the end of 2026. And in 2021, Ford was the second largest seller of EVs in the U.S., behind Tesla, which controls almost two-thirds of the American market. And the decision by Ford and CATL to build a battery plant in Michigan is a significant development for the U.S. EV industry as it signals a move towards more localized battery production. And the project's success will depend on how well the two companies navigate geopolitical tensions and changing regulations. However, the investment in the new plant demonstrates a willingness to adapt and innovate in the rapidly evolving EV market. And the White House was reportedly requested that Tesla make its extensive charging network available to other electric vehicles, according to two sources familiar with the situation. The request was made during a private meeting between two senior White House officials tasked with implementing President Biden's clean energy packages and Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, and other company officials at the company's D.C. office on January 27, 2023. The request was made in the context of President Biden's goal to build a national network of 500,000 electric vehicle chargers, which is a critical part of the administration's efforts to bolster the U.S. economy and achieve a major drop in carbon emissions to combat global climate change. The administration's request of Musk reflects how the president and Musk have overlapped objectives despite their public animosities. Tesla's existing charging network which includes roughly 17,000 of its superchargers and slower Tesla destination chargers could play a major role in what the White House is hoping to achieve. However, significant obstacles loom towards making the transition. Other electric vehicles in the U.S. mostly use a standard called CCS for rapid charging, and the connectors are not compatible with each other, though Tesla now sells adapters allowing its cars to use CS stations. Even if the adapters can be supplied for CCS cars to use Tesla stations, Tesla and the administration would still face a distinct set of hardware and software complications, in part due to the proprietary data of the Tesla charging systems. Those barriers exist in the United States despite the fact that Tesla's charging stations are compatible with other electric vehicles in Europe because of government regulations mandating conformity. Now, Tesla began making cars in Europe with the CCS charging standard several years ago and retrofitted the existing charging stations there. In the U.S., Musk said last year that the company would start making the CCS standard compatible with its charging network, but he hasn't provided details at all. And the 2021 infrastructure law won't fund new charging stations that are only open to one brand of electric vehicle. Tesla, though, proposed last year that its plugs, not CCS, should be the new standard in North America. Adding Tesla as charging service provider for other vehicles would be a big step forward, but it's not as easy as flipping on a switch, and there would be a lot of work ahead of them. The outreach is unlikely to lead to cozier public relations between Musk and the White House, and Musk has needled the president over electric cars in unrelated political matters in the past. 
Now, the White House had asked Tesla to open up its charging network for use by other electric vehicles. It's part of President Biden's plan to build a national charging network of 500,000 electric vehicle chargers. Tesla's current charging network could play a significant role in this goal. However, there are obstacles in the way, and hopefully Tesla, Elon Musk, and the Biden administration and the White House can come to a conclusion so we can get an electrified system in the United States of America going forward. Now let's take a quick break and we'll be back with some SpaceX news. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just recently, SpaceX had concluded its 31-engine Raptor 2 static fire test of Booster 7 at Boca Chica Starbase, Texas. Now, this is a substantial test for SpaceX. Not only did it test the ground systems at Starbase, but it also tested the booster that will be sending a Starship to orbit sometime later this summer, possibly in a few months, if everything goes well. Now, before the launch, well, before the static fire, there were two engines that malfunctioned. One was shut off on purpose, and the other one was shut off automatically. Now, we don't know exactly why they shut those off, what happened, what was the procedure for that, but we do know that two test engines were not ignited during the static fire test. This is probably the most impressive static fire test that we've seen since the Apollo era, and also the space shuttle era, they had static fire tests of that ship, but the Falcon 9 ship, SpaceX's Falcon 9, the juggernaut, the workhorse of SpaceX's fleet, well, that static fires every single time it launches. Now, the important thing here is that Elon Musk said that they shut off the engine beforehand due to something. We don't know exactly what it was, like I said before, but moving forward, there are some road closures coming up on Highway 4. Monday, February 13th, Tuesday, or February 13th, Valentine's Day, Tuesday, February 14th, and Wednesday, February 15th, between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. every single one of those days. Now, does this mean they're going to be static firing this gigantic booster again? The booster, by the way, is about 250, 260 feet tall, somewhere around there. And it is literally the most powerful rocket on the face of the Earth right now. Now, if they do another static fire of the Starship Booster 7, they would have to submit an overpressure notice for the locals, because if there's an overpressure notice, that means the locals have to leave the area. There are still a couple holdouts in Boca Chica Village, which is just about a mile and a half away from the launch site. And when they do a large 
testing like this, or if they do an overpressure test for one of their tanks, or if they do a small flight of one of their ships, they have to leave the area. SpaceX gets them out of there, but we haven't seen any sort of overpressure notice the night before Monday, February 13th, 2023. And they usually do it the day before or the morning of. But something interesting happened over the weekend. Ship 26 was wheeled down to the launch area, was hoisted up onto pad A, which is a suborbital flight pad, and we don't know what they're going to be doing with it. Now, this ship is completely different than the ships that we've seen recently. The normal starships have a covering underneath them that protects it when it comes back in from orbit, right? So it's the heat shield on the bottom of the ship. It also has wings. It has fins on the top of it and fins on the bottom of it, which helps it navigate and do that sweet kick, kick turn on the way back down when it comes back to land. Now, this ship doesn't have any of that. It's just a cylinder with a nose cone on it. And what we're expecting it to be is something along the lines of a tanker ship. Now, there's a propellant fill that's going to need to happen on the way to the moon for the Artemis III missions. The Space Launch System, which is a NASA rocket, will shoot the Orion capsule into Earth orbit and then set it off to the moon. Now, SpaceX's Starship will rendezvous with the Orion craft on Earth or on the moon's orbit, and then they will send the astronauts from the translunar injection and the loiter between the Starship and the Orion capsule, the orbit of the moon, and then the Starship will land on the moon. Now, the Starship doesn't have enough fuel to get to the moon to begin with. So they have to have Starship depots, Starship tankers, and also a moon variant of the Starship rocket. So the tanker fills up the, or the depot fills up the tanker. Other way around. The tanker fills up the depot. A bunch of tankers fill up this depot, and then the Starship connects with the depot and refuels before it goes to the moon. It expends most of its fuel on the way to Earth orbit, and in Earth orbit, it docks with the depot and gets fuel again, transfers the fuel. What jets do when, have you ever seen a jet flying and they have a tanker jet behind it or a tanker plane behind it or in front of it, and then the jet swoops up underneath it, fuels up real quick, and then takes off again? That's what happens here. Or it's similar to when a gas tanker, something like an ice engine gas tanker refuels at a station and then takes that fuel someplace else. Pretty similar, right? Basically filling up your car with gas. And then the Starship goes to the moon's or they loiter in the moon's orbit, connects with the Orion spacecraft, and then go down to the surface of the moon. It's absolutely incredible. But Ship 26, the one that I was talking about before, could possibly be a tanker variant or a depot variant. We're sure that it's probably a tanker fuselage with no wings on it because it doesn't need a heat shield. It's not coming back to the Earth as far as we know. And also the Starship Depot is a little bit taller. It looks like it's 50 to 70 feet taller than a normal Starship. So this one is not that big. It's not that tall. It's, a, it's the height of a regular Starship. 
But I think what they're doing is they're testing out the guts of this thing. And I think what they're going to be doing on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of next week is they're going to be doing a pressure test or a cryogenic test of this ship down at the launch pad so they can make sure that they can move forward with that part of the launch cycle when they actually do something after the first orbital launch. So if they do the orbital flight test, there's no plans to do a fueling in orbit because they're not going to make it for a full orbit. They're basically going to make it to about 98% of an orbit, and then they're going to land off the coast of Kauai, and they're not going to have time to do a test fueling for this one. But maybe an orbital flight test, two, three, four, maybe. We'll see what happens in the future. But I think what they're going to be doing over this next week is they're going to be doing a, either a pressure test or a cryogenic test, which is basically freezing this rocket because they have to freeze it before they fuel it up and before they, they light the engine so it doesn't basically burn up. And they, I think that's what they're going to be doing next week. So that's the news from down at Starbase, Texas. We're going to have a full episode about this with one of our colleagues, Neil Thorne. We're going to talk all about what's going to be happening with this lunar injection and the Starship 26 down at the pad at Starbase. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be happening once every week on the Stage Zero Network and the Elon Musk podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Elon Musk podcast brought to you by Stage Zero Productions. My name is Will Walden. I'm the host of the show. And if you want to help support the show, please take a second and subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on right now. And also, if you want to help us even further, we have a Patreon. So you can check out the link down below and help us out in a more significant sense. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next one.